the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I'm here. I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here talking to uh, my man who was with me yesterday. Well, he was he was with his with his uh, different uh, candidates in the rotunda yesterday. Ken Yang is here. He is. Uh, it was an amazing turnout yesterday. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I, I was telling someone. I said this is my second time to be a part of filing after redistricting and it's it's where you have the most candidates because there's mo- the most most open seats. um every office is up but uh senator cotton's uh just on the top top down uh people are filing at the county level too uh and uh you know the democrats were also on a full force you they, know, usually, they had a lot of people now you, let me yeah. say there's a difference i saw republicans writing checks Mm-hmm. I saw Democrats not writing checks, but showing that they had signatures, yep. so that they could run. They had to have what two hundred and fifty signatures. Some, I thought something, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, they they had signatures because nobody wants to pay money for probably the shellacking that's coming up in November. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they they did their job. You know, you know as a minority party is to. Um, you know, get as many candidates to run as possible because you can't win without running. Uh, and so they they were out in full force. They're energized, and the uh, yeah, liber- they really are. Yeah. I was surprised. Yeah, well, the libertarians are out, out in full force. Well, too. they're they're always energized. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the Dems, you know, well, I mean, the Dems have you know, be it as as bad we know it is, but when you have the White House and the House and the Senate. You know, you have to be energized because you're techni- technically in control for the time being. With a millstone around your neck. Yep. <laughs> just, gotta, we had, we had uh, I'm trying to think, Chris Jones on yesterday yep, from the yep. Democrats. He stopped by and uh, his people were asking, can he get on? And I said, I've never turned down anybody mm-hmm. who's legitimately running for an office. And I said, sure. And he came on and I thought he did, he, he uh, did well for himself. Mm-hmm. But uh, do I think that he has a chance of winning? Perhaps the uh, the nomination. Yeah. The you know he's not going to win against Sarah. Yeah, he'll win the Democrat nomination, and uh, that'd be uh, seems like a really smart guy. That's about it. Oh, he's very smart. He's been involved in in the in the innovation type technology type stuff here in Little Rock. Uh, that's kind of what he's known for in that circle. Um, 
but he's not going to be governor. Hey, man, if I were him, I'd be looking at mayor of Little Rock. He he sounds like he might make a decent mayor, but I don't know. I didn't yeah, yeah. I didn't question him about the mayor, you know, uh, the mayoralship. I talked to him about being governor, and he said, "What was it? The three things: PBJ, you know, preschool, broadband, and jobs." That's pretty good because I remember what he said to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it already stuck in my head. So mm-hmm. he he did a good job of branding his campaign. So that's uh, that's a good deal. But we had a lot of people come by. A lot of people. It was nice because, you know, for me, for about two years now, I really haven't seen a lot. I've had them on phone, but I have not seen a lot of this the, the Republican senators, Republican House members that I know. And they all came by to say hello. Mm-hmm. They, were, they were glad uh, to do that. Uh, people, Some people said, hey, why didn't uh, Robin Lundstrom come on? Well, let me tell you, because Robin called me after I got off the air. And said, I'm sorry, Dave, that I didn't join you. However, evidently last night, there was one of her constituents is 80-something years old. And he was getting his high school diploma. And he's been asking her to present it to him. And uh, he called her, I guess, about three times yesterday morning making sure she was going to be able to make it up from from little rock to up to northwest arkansas and uh she didn't know if she could sit and talk to me and then turn around and leave and make it up there so she says i i had promised and i said robin that that him getting his high school diploma is so much more important than you sitting down and talking to me on the radio oh yeah you know, don't worry about it. We'll have plenty of time to talk, and we will we will discuss a lot of issues yet in the future. And uh, she just had a – that's just a cool story. Mm-hmm. really is. I hope that uh, some of the TV cameras were there for that. Not every day you get an 80-year-old that graduates from high school. No. That's pretty cool. Now, she said that it was at the basketball game. Did the Razorbacks play at home last night? No, they played that in Florida. They were in Florida. Yeah. Okay, so I wonder if the women played last night or something. Or maybe it was a high school. It was probably a high school basketball High school game. basketball yeah. game. But anyway, he got himself a high school diploma. That's cool. I did not, didn't have a pen, so I didn't write down the names. But uh, the folks that are up there, I'm sure, know who I'd be spending, I'm talking about. And if you're watching on facebook and you tell him i said congratulations that's very cool so you know it's good to see her i still think she's uh in the house the best conservative uh over in the house uh also had uh came over to visit wing came over to visit carlton wing and he was talking about how the house this year is going to be so much different because there's going to be so many new members in the house it's 30% turnover minimum. Well, that's a lot. Uh, uh, for both chambers. Yeah, that's going to be a lot yeah. in the House. Uh, most of those seats will be won by Republicans. And uh, he was talking about a lot of the Republicans that are running for seats are very conservative Republicans this time mm-hmm. around. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, one of the big questions I had for the people that are running and that I think will be reelected, I mean, Ballinger and others that came on, was you're going to have Sarah, at least as far as I'm concerned, 
I could be proven wrong, but I don't think I will be. I think she'll be governor of Arkansas, and I think she'll be elected uh, with the largest majority ever of a, of a governor, perhaps, in the state of Arkansas, especially a Republican. She's going to have some of the most positive numbers of any uh, Republican governor. And I ask if they thought that that could in any way be a difficulty. And they all said they didn't think so. She's already evidently been talking with people. Uh, Ballinger said he was really taken by her humility when he met her and how she spoke with the senators asking them to help her in her first uh, few weeks as governor and months. Yeah. You know, get, getting her her sea legs, so to speak. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see how, how that goes. What do you think about the position of lieutenant governor? Because I heard people say different things about lieutenant governor. Um, you know, uh, Senator Rapert uh, was on and, you know, he talked about the, the, num- the two different responsibilities of the lieutenant governor. Mm-hmm. Presiding over the Senate, of course, and then... Um, um, working with the governor. Uh, but I thought that Doyle, when he was on, did a little bit better job explaining what the lieutenant governor does and how he works with the governor and then how he works with the Senate. And I, I thought that was kind of of uh, interesting. I mean, uh, Senator Rayford said that, you know, he... Uh, he was ready to step into the governorship if necessary at any time. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, uh, uh, be honest, the uh, Doyle didn't even bring that up all that much because now, you know, the governor leaves the state or whatever. They don't make the lieutenant governor governor any longer. So right. it was kind of interesting to hear some of the different candidates, what they were wanting to zero in on. A lot of people talking education. Uh, yesterday a lot of people talking about spending yesterday so uh, i think those may be the two big issues that the republicans are looking at next year what do you think yeah i think so i think uh uh um you know the economy uh you know the state can only do so much but of course with the runaway inflation that we have and the supply chain issues that we have because of the Biden administration, you know, uh, Arkansas still, still lags in our high tax rates, mm-hmm. high city, local, county, state tax rates, our high income tax rates, uh, our high property tax rates, uh, uh, fees, whatever you want to call it in other places. So that definitely has a lot to do with our ability to attract businesses. And then, uh, you know, education is still a big thing with the parents uh, starting to pay attention, uh, organizations starting to pay attention, saying, hey, you know, we used to leave curriculum al- alone because we somewhat trusted, at the very least, we may not have trusted the government, but we trusted our teachers. Uh, and now it's, uh, you can't can't do both. And there are great teachers out there all, uh, too, but, I mean, if you look at uh, some of the teachers on uh, TV going to school board meetings and things of that sort. You're just like, oh my, the, my goodness, that that person's uh, teaching my kids. Um, but it's what they want the narrative to be. But uh, you know, I still go back to what we talked about a couple weeks ago. Um, whether they like it or not, uh, the narrative 
will still be about the culture war that the Democrats have put on unleashed. Us. Yeah, yeah, they've and, unleashed it, yeah. not us. And and the reason and and why we're in the position we are today when it comes to economy and uh, education. They keep talking about education and CRT. CRT comes from that culture war. That also, was mentioned several times yesterday yeah. as well. Okay. So. Um, uh, whether they like it or not, the uncomfortable things that they don't want to really talk about will be talked about. All right. We got to get a break in. And, uh, then, uh, of course we will continue, uh, discussing a lot of different things. Things are getting more and more tense over in Europe right now, uh, with Putin. Uh, I heard a interview, uh, with a, a newsmaker, uh, early this morning who said, it all depends on Putin's whims about what happens now over in Eastern Europe. And I would have to agree with that. It depends on what Putin wants to do, whether he wants to invade or whether he doesn't. Does he, does he think the cost is worth it or doesn't he? We'll talk about that today. Of course, we're going to talk about it in the next hour as well uh, with uh, Congressman Hill and with Congressman Westerman. Congressman Westerman was at the Rotunda yesterday. I talked to him just for a few moments as he's passing. Uh, met his campaign manager, nice young lady that he had with him. It looks like she's got things going very well for his campaign. And uh, I asked him, you need to come back, I said, and perhaps our radio station will facilitate this. I would like to bring congressman westerman back to talk about education because he had a lot of different ideas during the time that he was a state legislator on the house side one of which was to take the money that students get from the state to go and get an education not for it to go to the school per se to go to the student and then the student takes that money to the school they want to attend. And uh, he says, well, I spoke about that back in 2010. I said, people need a refresher course. So maybe we can get him back and have a, a luncheon or something where he talks about that. I think there'd be a lot of interest to hear what the congressman has to say. 20 minutes after six, when we get back, a little housekeeping for you. I'll tell you about what you can expect in the coming weeks uh, from 101.1 FM, The Answer. Your voice, your vote, right here on this radio station. Let's uh, talk about Billy Mack. Billy Mack's the owner of ICU Protection, LLC. Now, I know a lot of you would like to have a, uh, you know, security system at your home, but you're saying, cost, man. Do you know how much it costs to put cameras on your house? Dave, do you know how much they want for that hardware? Not with Billy Mack and... Of course, ICU protection. I've been telling you this. I'm going to zero in on that right now. No cost for the equipment. You don't pay anything for the hardware, for the cameras, for the, the, the setups they put on your windows and your doors. Nada. Zilch. Zero. None of that costs you anything. All you do is pay for the service. You pay for the service. Service starts at $40 a month. It's a great deal. You need to talk to Billy Mac ICU Protection. Their phone number, 501-205-1333. 501-205-1333.
3033. Give him a call. Talk to Billy Mack or one of his associates and let them get you on the way to protecting your home or protecting your business. I'm promising you best coverage that you can have. It's going to be right here. Seriously, it will be right here. All right, Ken Yang is here. He's chairman of the Republican Party in Saline County. How are things going amongst the uh, uh, the counties? There's a couple of counties that kind of gotten into some hot water, although I think what it, Independence and Izzard, is that the two counties that I've heard? I believe so. And the, and the reason is that they do not want to support Sturch in his uh, run for uh, Senate again. Now, there's two ways of looking at the argument that's going on. Independence in Izzard County, their Republican uh, Party uh, county chairs have said, it, it, as, as county uh, chairs and as the county GOP, we have the right to say whether we think uh, candidates are Republican or they're not. Are they living by, you know, the... Uh, the platform and they're saying that that Sturch has not nor is he seems to be want to live by uh the platform of the GOP the state GOP and the state GOP is telling them to back off and to let up because they they're not supposed to say anything like that during the primary now my question is why wouldn't you do it during the primary why would you ever let somebody who's running for an office during the primary run and you know that he's they they i won't say it's not it has to be a he they are not subscribed to the platform it would seem to me that's the time you want to make sure that they don't get in so is that the is that the argument right now ken you would know you're you're the chair of the chair <laughs> um you know everyone there are rules that we follow uh, I often tell, I always preface people like we're the party of uh, decorum, uh, tradition, <laughs> rules. We don't yell each other down, uh, and if we start doing that, we're no different than the people that we criticize. Okay, like the liberals and Democrats. Um, and so I do believe the counties are in somewhat autonomous in what they uh, um, want and uh, uh, believe in, uh, just as the chairwoman of the Republican Party is duly elected by a block of voters, uh, as chairman, they're duly elected by their block of voters. By their party in, their in party. that county, right. So all that being said, I you know this this is where, you know, when, when I get ugly emails of people calling me a rhino and me not speaking up and whatnot, and it's just like, okay, y'all Johnny-come-latelys that have been involved in politics for the past six months or or 24 months or whatever it is, you know, some of us have been involved for decades. I've been the lone voice on advocating for changing the rules for allowing county chairmen to endorse candidates or do what they want because I believe they're elected officials and they're people too. Well, it, the candidate's um, coming from their that's right. county. Now, but what I advocate, if it doesn't change in the rules, it doesn't matter. Right. So what does the rules say right now? The rules say, they do say, that uh, a county committee can uh, 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 vote with a uh, two-thirds majority to make a candidate a not 
preferred candidate in the election. Okay, now is that um, during the prime? See, it seems to be that the argument is: can you do that during the primary, or do you have to do it so when they're if, if you been elected? The, if you so the, that's that's up to interpretation. So if you if the party reads the rules as because our rules say that county committees cannot sh- publicly show favoritism towards one or the other, that that would say, hey, that rule that precludes that, that precludes that rule unless in extenuating circumstances. Then the other side, of course, says, well, egregious, egregious, I think it's the word has been uh, has been tossed around, uh, not following uh, a majority of the platform uh, is egregious. But then that's obviously, then you start talking about, well, who, who's the one deciding that? Uh, and the rule was uh, written, I don't get flack for saying this, but it's just fact, uh, the rule was written uh, back, uh, I think, during the 90s, where you had an issue with a convicted felon trying to run, and you had an issue with a couple of people that had that were part of the KKK. Okay. I want you to hold your thought. Yeah. All right. Let's pick this up. we got to take a break for news. We'll bring you up on what's happening around the world. What's going on in the Ukraine? I'm sure we'll know exactly when we get back. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Stick with us right here on 1011. All right, back with you, East End Towing. If you get on the side of the road, you need a tow. Uh, they're the people to give a call to, 888-8849-501, of course, 501-888-8849. Uh, a group that belongs to the Arkansas Tow and Recovery Board. They're licensed and, of course, uh, insured. And don't let anybody who says they're a tow company that are not insured tow your car. Because that just means if something happens, they may be responsible, but getting money from them will be tough. And that each truck in the fleet for East End Towing is permitted. Again, call them, 501-888-8849, 501-888-8849. All right, back with me uh, here, Ken Yang. Of course, Ken is the chairman of the Saline County Republican Party and then he's the chair of the chairs here in the statewide. He's the chair of all the chairs of the GOP parties in the different uh, counties. How many chairs are there? Seventy? No, there's uh, we're, we're, all of them are active. Are okay, so it's it, every no, no, county. No, there's, I think there's one that's in active. There's 74. 74, okay. So you got all of the, the different counties that have their own GOP. I belong to the Lone Oak GOP, mm. just so you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, we get together the, the last, uh, Monday of every month. So we'll get together next Monday, this coming Monday and, and talk yeah. last day of February, believe it or not. Yeah. And, uh, there's some things that we have to discuss a- as well. This whole thing that we're talking about, and, and this all revolves around, uh, state Senator, James Sturch. Yeah, and, and I want to, you know, and, and, and the thing is, um, you know, before our break, I was, I was saying that, you know, we have, we have rules, those rules, uh, you know, it's a continuous, those rules are in place for egregious actions. So we have rules to remove people if they uh, campaign for a Democrat. Uh, we have we have rules to make people not preferred candidate if uh they're a convicted felon or they have some sort of uh, misdemeanor that's a trust-type misdemeanor. Right. Uh, 
uh, or or those that are just you know blatantly a a Democrat uh, running as a Republican. Uh, uh, and obviously, then that then that goes to the point of you know who who gets to decide that. Uh, and you know, uh, I hate to invoke someone who has passed, um, but you know, Linda Collins was yeah. a Democrat when being a Democrat was popular. Oh yeah, she was in the powerful yes. party and, at and that time. And switching to the minority party, people thought was just ridiculous. So you have that where you know a lot of people didn't believe her yet she became one of the most conservative legislators we've ever had in this state i was one of them when she announced that she was going to do that that approached her and talked to her and said you're going to have to prove this to me yeah but then now you have democrats and she did by the way today that are switching over and you, we have a hard time believing that uh, they uh, have, have had a real change of heart that is not politically motivated. And so there are mechanisms in there uh, that, you know, uh, want to be the party of the big tent. But yeah. also we have we have rules that say, hey, um, you know, we can make you a not preferred candidate uh, well, over, here's, over here's the egregious key. actions. Ken, I, I have no problem if a Democrat wants to become a Republican. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But only if he, he or she will subscribe to our platform. That's, right. That's if, right. If they're not going to subscribe to that, then we don't need them. I'm sorry. That's right. You might think at one time you might have thought we needed them. We don't. That's right. I think we've got the best narrative of, of any political party at this time, if we'll live to it. Yeah. And let me, I, 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 I'm getting a little, can I use the word pissed off on the Yeah, you can right? use that A little word. bit more pissed off because I'm reading the comment thread and, and I'll, I'll, I'm going to call them out by name. Are they uh, Are they already on there No, wait, this wait, morning? Beach, Linda calls is far from a James Church. I wasn't comparing Linda to James. Let's, let's just right. be clear. If you if you roll back the tape, those those words didn't come out of my mouth. Right. And so, um, you know, if you want to, you know, keyboard warrior, keep on keyboard warrioring. I've long advocated for conservatives. I've long advocated, for, as I mentioned before, for the rule change. I've long been in constant battle with the party on this rule change uh, because I believe that chairman and others should get to endorse. But the rules are the rules right now, and they cannot endorse. And if they want to do not preferred because the Democrat is running, you know, that's the that's the chairman's prerogative. And then what the party does, I have no control over. I mean, what is the party? What What do you think the party's trying to say? You can, you, you can't pick a candidate, but you can say they're not a preferred candidate. Sounds to me that you're picking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those that when those you know you have preferred, you can have a recommended candidate in Saline County uh, for nonpartisan races, like judicial races. Barbara Webb's a great example. Uh, Barbara Webb was clearly the better candidate in that Absolutely. race. Absolutely. Conservative justice that we needed on the Supreme Court. And many uh, county committees voted her to be the preferred, recommended candidate uh, in that race for uh, Arkansas Supreme Court. So we have it both ways. You can make someone a recommended candidate. You can make someone a not recommended candidate. Okay. All right. I, I just wanted to get this out in the open. Uh, to be honest, 
this is why you need to be involved in the party. Yeah. If if you're a conservative and you say, well, they're not doing it the way I, I'd like to do it, then get involved. Let your let your thoughts be known. That is the way you make change. You make change if you get enough people who believe like you do. Uh, you can get in and make some changes, but it you you got to be part of the party. Yeah, that's the way it works. That is the way it, it works. If you want to change the Democrats, go join their party. Yeah, and have a, have a conversation about it. You know, I, I appreciate the folks uh, that uh, continuing to learn the process, learn the rules. There are a lot of the rules I don't like. There are a lot of rules other people don't like. But you learn the process, you learn the rules. And I've seen county committees do it, a uh, chairman that I know now, or they, they've changed the tenure of their county committee, and I'm very proud of them. But that's because they've learned the process, and uh, they, don't, they don't sit around and uh, berate people on social media. Instead, they, they use action instead of uh, uh, just words. All right. It's uh, about 18 minutes until 7 o'clock here on the Dave Elster. If you want to call in. You can be part of the conversation yeah. here. A two three oh nine six five. A two three oh nine six five. Uh here on the Dave Ellswick show. And I know there's a lot of people who who believe, well, if they you know, if if the Republican Party doesn't do this or that, I don't think they do doing enough and I'm I'm gonna wash my hands of you can't wash your hands of it. Because the old saying is true. You know, you can either be involved with politics or politics can be involved with you. One way or the other, it's going to be there. And you've got to decide, you're going to be active in it, or are you going to be reactive in it, or are you just going to be neutral and just go along with whatever happens? 17 of, let's take a break. We've got more coming your way. Dave Ellswick Show on 101.1 FM, The Answer. That's all right. Hey, let me talk to you about uh, PI Roofing. I've been ballyhooing about them for years i've had two roofs put on by them they've done a fantastic job uh both times they just did a great job uh the other day and and uh, last what two weeks ago now that they put the roof on and i've got that warranty leak proof warranty i've got 25 year warranty on my my roof and when i get ready to sell uh that warranty is transferable to the person who buys my house and i'll make sure they know about that so that uh, makes it uh, that much more of a prime piece of real estate uh, that they want to pick up so uh, if you need to get your roof fixed if you got some leaks and you need to get it taken care of then uh, go with pi roofing and by the way this stuff where we get ice and all of that that does a lot of damage to your roof I mean, it's just as bad as those 100-degree days that just cook uh, your roof as well. It causes those those small cracks that are in some of the tar and things like that to widen. Then you get that ice in there that forms, and it widens them a little bit bigger. And then they thaw, and the water then, you know, goes out. Now you got a bigger crack. And, and, And that continual, you know, stretching, contracting going on, can cause a leak talk to the folks at pi roofing they'll help you out with all of that 707-3551 that's the number i call i I don't have a special phone in the bat cave that i pick up and it it connects with pi roofing uh i call 707-3551 
or visit them online, piroofing.com. My thanks to Joel Johnson and uh, Veronica Johnson, the owners of PI Roofing, who have been, a, a, you know, stayed with Dave Ellswick's show now for 21 years advertising on this show, the longest running advertiser on my show. Good to have them here. All right, we've got uh, one segment left, and then coming up in the next hour, we'll talk to uh, Congressman Hill, and we'll talk to Congressman Westerman. Congressman Westerman was there uh, at the Rotunda yesterday, uh, asked, do you want me to come on now? And I said, no, I got all these other people that want to come on, and let's let's just keep you at 735. He said, that's fine. We'll do that, and uh, we'll talk to him here in just a few moments and see what he has to, to say uh, on the Dave Ellswick Show with Ken and I. Uh, you know, as I sit there... What does this tell you about the Republican Party? Are we becoming the party that's really ensconced in, in the state now when you see the number of people that showed up in the rotunda yesterday wanting to run for an office? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, uh, Arkansas was late, a little late to the being a red party. state game. Yeah, a little late to the party uh, with with Bill Clinton and Vic Schneider. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the difference is when people switch parties, um, you know, you, we can say, they can say all the time, oh, the party left me, da 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 But did, did, your, did your heart really change? You know, did, do you really believe in, as you mentioned, that platform? And most of the time I would say the answer is probably no. And I, I'm not trying to discourage Democrats from switching parties or anything, but like you were saying, you have to prove it. Uh, but there are a lot of people that, and a lot, there are quite a few people, uh, that filed to, uh, yesterday, they'll file this week and all the way to the next Tuesday, uh, that you question, uh, whether or not that, uh, they fit, you know, the Republican, uh, uh, platform or not. Yeah, you've got, and that's the, the key. I, I'm excited because we're going to do all of these town halls. Now, I can't do a town hall for every race that's out there. That's right. So we're going to do town halls for uh, the majority of the constitutional offices. I mean, we're not doing one for treasurer. We're not doing one for, for auditor. But we're doing a town hall for lieutenant governor, mm-hmm. the uh, attorney general, mm-hmm. for the secretary of state, of course, and then I don't know exactly what's going to happen for governor or whatever. That will depend, I think, on people who are saying they're going to run for governor, but they have not signed up Correct. to run for governor because, yes. yeah. you know, it's $15,000. That's yeah. not cheap. No. no. you got to come up with that money. So, um, you know, depending on that, if they, uh, they do get in there, then it makes sense to have a, a, a town hall. But if they don't, then I might just use it as a methodology uh, to have a town hall and ask if Sarah will come and answer questions and we can get her, get all revved up with her and go into the election cycle. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm looking at, at that all as well and talking with her campaign about that. That's something they've, they've not given me a yay or an A, just to say, all right. Not a yay or nay, but the bottom line is, uh, you know, I'm out to elect Republicans. I've been honest about that since the first uh, uh, 
few years that I came on the air here. Um, when I first arrived, I was a libertarian. Libertarian Party changed some, um, I think, huge, made some huge decisions about abortion and our border. Mm. And I couldn't have anything to do with that. So I became a Republican. You mean they didn't understand the word libertarian, what being libertarian meant? Yeah. No. Understand the history of liberty? No. And, <laughs> and, and what a classical liberal is. That's right. All right. That That's the key. Classical liber, uh, liberals are very conservative. Yeah. You know, just so everybody will know what I'm going to do a history lesson right now, but it's true. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I moved over to the Republican Party and have now stayed with the Republican Party for the last 20 years. That's right. And if if it pushed hard, uh, if the Republican Party ever moved away from being the party of life, Dave Ellswick will find the party to move to. That's right. That is a that that is a def, a defining uh, issue for me because if you don't believe in life, then you don't believe in any other kind of freedom. Because mm. you got to be alive to have freedom. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, if you're mm-hmm. not going to give a person a chance to be alive, then that don't talk to me about all the other freedoms that are out there so i think that the republican party has done well Uh, a lot of people there's some people out there that uh, didn't agree with doyle webb when he was the chairman but i will tell you as chairman of the republican party of arkansas doyle webb did a fine job i really think that he did Uh, i'm going to be interested to see you know what the republican party does now because i worry that sometimes they lose their way as far as directing the party here in the state and directing people to know what the party really is all yeah. about. Well, you, you, ju- you, I mean, uh, you, you juggle, and this is the thing about being a leader. You juggle the entire spectrum. You juggle the very, all the way towards that creeping towards that middle, that center right type spectrum all the way to the very far right that still consider themselves uh, Republicans. Yeah, tell all the Huns. Yeah, like me. Yeah, you got, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got it. You, you have to. Is you had to juggle juggle both. In some instances, it's a lot easier because there's more of one over the other. In other instances, it's uh, uh, not so much. And so you have to be be smart about it, and not to say you. Um, you know, compromise on your principles or your morals or the platform, anything like that. But uh, everyone has a, you know, just because if I was, I was everybody I, has a line in the sand. That's right. That's right. And then just because I always use this example. So just because one person thinks uh, we should cut taxes by 2%, one person thinks we should cut taxes by 5%, doesn't mean the one that says 2% is any is awful. Now, if they said, oh, I want to increase taxes, yeah, you got that, prob- that, you that's, a, that's a, that's a you know, pers- bad person. Let me, let me give yeah. you a perfect example of what you're saying. When we took away taxing veterans, retirees, mm-hmm. I was all for that. If they would have just done that, yeah. I'd been all over it, but I fought against it because they reduced taxes on military retirees and raised taxes in a whole lot of other areas. And in fact, in the other areas that they raised taxes, uh, it brought in more money than the money that you gave up by not taxing the retirees. I mean, downloads I and all the yep. rest. Yep. I mean, it's that kind of stuff. And and you always hear 
the way that the the Republicans yeah. try to try to put it, it's uh, what is it? It's it's a balancing act. You know, we want to give a tax cut here, but maybe a little bit of raise over yeah, here. So not, that's not, yeah. no, 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 it's, no, it's no, not no. A tax cut. That's not a tax. No, cut. it's not. I, I mean, it's the same thing with the internet sales tax that I I was very vocally against, and many people were vocally against. Well, that and, was part and, of the thing about and, getting and rid of like, the. Well, you're supposed to do it anyways. You're supposed to do it. You know, you're supposed to fill out a form and tell people, you know, tell the government how much you bought, and and then you're supposed to submit, you know, taxes over the internet. That, that's the law, anyways. And, I, and my question to the 135 legislators, and not all 135 supported it, but the ones that supported it, well, how many of y'all are, are doing that on the annual basis? Oh, none of y'all? Yeah. But now y'all want all of us to do it? And I remember buying Christmas presents one year, and uh, you go on Amazon, and your taxes, depending on how much you buy, let's say you buy so much that uh, your taxes end up being you know $55 for this purchase. That's Two, three more Christmas presents that can go to that, that you could have bought that could have bought for a family member or yeah. whatnot, and the the idea that we don't we don't think that way sometimes as Republicans as conservatives when we talk about taxes is is uh, um, it's it's mind blowing. We're trending in the right direction, um, but the idea that we can't get to zero percent in income tax. If you hear a Republican says, oh, I don't I don't think that's possible. Well, I, I think you need know, to question where where they truly are when they in, in taxes. Well, I want to hear. I want to cut taxes, but I want to cut spending. I want to hear somebody say, "I've got a tax cut and a spending cut that go together." That, to yeah. me, will be when I know that we're really starting to make some headway uh, in state government. Because let me tell you what: because of COVID, we are flush with money in this state. I mean, flush with money. All right, Congressman Hill is next here on the Dave Ellswick Show. He'll join us for a half hour. Then Congressman Westerman uh, will join us by phone as well. We'll look forward to talking to both of them. I'm sure that part of the uh, discussion will be around the Ukraine because I'll tell you what, these uh, sanctions that they're talking about won't just hurt the Russians It's going to make things tough for the American people as well. It's all coming your way next on the Dave Ellswick Show. to the last hour this last hour as on every wednesday will be both of our uh congressmen from district two 
District uh, 4. We'll be having uh, Congressman Hill on first, and Congressman, of course, Congressman uh, Westerman will join us at uh, 7.35. Congressman Hill is on the line with us right now. Let's talk with him right off the bat. Looks like a uh, declaration of emergency is going to be declared, is what they're saying, in the Ukraine. Things are... uh, Look like uh, we might have been able to avoid this a few months ago. It doesn't look like we can avoid it now. It looks like p- we're we're at we are at the uh, I guess uh, at the point now about Putin's whims are going to be. Is that right, Congressman? Dave, it's good to be with you. Well, look, the Munich moment, the appeasement moment uh, in allowing Putin to have his way with Ukraine goes back to the Obama biden administration it's the obama administration that essentially uh has russia pay no serious economic diplomatic uh, price for taking crimea and for already meddling in the uh affairs of eastern ukraine including puppet governments and spying and cyber warfare so we should have hit them hard there and he should have learned his lesson there and he paid no price too over the last decade for his uh, partnership with Assad in mass murder in Syria. So uh, Putin saw no downside here. You know, he knows about sanctions, and he doesn't think they're going to be strong enough to stop him from trying to put the band back together, the old Soviet Union. Yeah, he's he's determined to do this, it sounds like to me. He's going to go after all these Baltic states that are not part of NATO. You, do you believe that he'll be successful? Well, I think he knows there's more danger in the Baltic. You know, the uh, Russians have a port on the Baltic that's not connected to them. That's what they always are saying. They're at risk for attack there. (laughs) That's not true. Uh, The Baltic nations are members of NATO. They're free market capitalists. They were under the Soviet sphere, but they were more like those countries in, in Eastern Europe. They were never directly controlled by Moscow. So that's a risk, and that's why President uh, Biden has suggested uh, troops being added uh, there. This is what President Trump did also, was moving troops from Germany to uh, Poland uh, to send that same message, to stay out of the Baltic. Okay, so we're up there. You're talking about Poland. Now, that's kind of up to the the north, if my geography is correct. It seems to me that Putin is really interested in the Baltic Sea and the Black Sea down there to make sure that he has a stranglehold of that down there because he needs that to be able to move natural resources around and things of that nature. Exactly. He's got Black Sea ports, which is why he took uh, Crimea. He maintains a port on the Mediterranean through uh, his uh, involvement with Syria. Uh, and he has access to to the Baltic uh, through a very modest uh, spot on that sea. But he wants to really put uh, the band back together. That's the mission. He wants to take reassert the old uh, Soviet Union and its power, and he says the number one humiliation was the failure of the Soviet Union, which collapsed under its own weight, its own mismanagement, and communism, and it's not to be blamed on somebody else. All right, so let, let's let's try to look down the road a little bit, look into the crystal ball, and there's no real guessing exactly what Putin's going to do. 
Let's talk about our president. We do know this. If the Russians go into Ukraine, it's going to spike oil prices, $110 a barrel. It's going to be up there. That means that the price at the pump is going, we're going to look at $3.13 a gallon here in Arkansas as, wow, those were the good old days because we're going to hit five, five and a half uh, at the pump. And that's going to really, really hurt. But I don't hear this president saying, you know what? What we need to do is let's get the Keystone Pipeline going again. Let's let's turn the oil uh, companies loose again. Let's produce our own energy. So it doesn't matter what Putin does. See, I think that's the answer to him, but the president won't take that answer. Well, you're right. That's the answer for uh, Europe and for the United States to have America energy independent. America is the largest producer of natural gas in the world, and the largest producer of oil in the world, and the largest exporter of oil. That's the answer not only to our own supply issues, but also a real partnership interest for Europe. This was the strategy during the Trump administration that has been advocated for by Republicans in Congress for years, and we got that done. Uh, toward the end of uh, Obama and beginning of the Trump administration. We became the world's largest oil exporter. President Trump opened up additional places for production. He wanted America to be uh, energy independent, and we achieved that goal. Something we've sought, Dave, our whole careers after the oil embargo back in uh, 1972-4, to when we were dependent, wholly dependent on the Gulf states, despite West Texas. So this is a big deal, and this is what we should be aspiring for, but this is not the policy of the Biden administration. Climate change and the Green New Deal are the policy of the Biden administration. It's in direct conflict with our national security. Yeah. What is it about, you know, doing what we need to do now to be energy independent, to produce, to protect our own natural national interest versus something that can be a, a a danger to us if you buy into the whole argument. You know, a hundred years from now, although they like to say five and seven years, but it's never happened. It always moves down the road. So the bottom line is, is that it's not happened. Why aren't we worried about now instead of about then? Exactly. It's called all of the above, and we can do it. We want to preserve national security. We want to. We want to. Uh, 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 support our industrial might. We want to support consumer affordability. All those things can be done while we continue to research and invest in a cleaner energy future. Uh, But the EIA, the Energy Information Agency of our own U.S. government, says global demand for electricity between now and 2050 goes up uh, 30%. Well, you're not going to meet that uh, through renewables. You have to go. This is why I support uh, new, clean, smaller-scale nuclear reactors. We should be doing nuclear for base load energy production around the world and exporting it with our friends in Germany and Japan to Africa and Asia. And let them shift from coal, but shift to nuclear because you need base load power to keep things affordable, uh, and you can do both. This is this is why the approach that the Biden administration has taken is so wrong, uh, and we're going to pay a price in it, a national security price and an energy dependability price. So, um, Congressman, you know, it was it was nice that finally 
Germany decided to wake up and join the team and not uh, certify the Nord Stream uh, natural gas pipeline. I think UK has done sanctions, and you know Biden had his press conference about sanctions and you know what he coined as possible diplomacy still on the table. I mean, is is, you know it's just ridiculous. But is it? um, I mean, it looks like it's too late. I want to have a little bit of wishful thinking, but uh, it looks like even the weight of NATO or the EU and the US and all the sanctions and all the stoppage of things now that Russia's, you know, recognizing the separatists over there in Ukraine that it's it's too late. I mean, is there is there even I think it's happening. I think it's, I'm like 99.9% sure it's happening. I mean, it could kick would is anyone able to say that it's possibly not going to happen? No, I mean, Ken, let me repeat. I'm gonna, this is going to be repetitive, but yeah. I can't say this strong enough. Russia invaded Ukraine in 2014. Mm-hmm. Crimea is part of Ukraine. They have already broken international law. They've broken all the U.N. resolutions about the Ukraine. They've broken their own treaty arrangement called the Minsk Agreement. They've broken their agreements with the United States and Britain following the removal of nuclear weapons from Ukraine that dates from back in 1994. They should have been sanctioned months ago when they built the troops up at 150,000 people surrounding Ukraine, Belarus, Moldova, Russia. That's a violation of international law, and this administration and the Europe did not sanction them. They should have sanctioned them. They argued actually against it. They blocked sanctions in the Senate debate just a month ago. And uh, so I hope when Congress comes back into session next week that we can get a strong bipartisan, bicameral sanctions bill uh, through to demonstrate that we don't support anything that Russia is doing or has done. This is the mistake we're making. They've already invaded. This double talk from the Biden administration is just too cute by half. And that's why I agree with my colleagues that say that sanctions should have started months ago. Well, we are seeing our own version of Neville Chamberlain in the White House right now. There's no doubt about it. We'll come back. We'll talk about it. For you who don't know who Neville Chamberlain is, during the break, Google his name. All right. So Dave Ellswick's show, what we need is a Winston Churchill, and we've got Neville Chamberlain. David Lucas Financial wants you to know, no matter uh, you know whether it's the inflation or it's the uh, political unrest that you're seeing or whatever, you're probably saying, how do I protect my nest egg? And uh, you know that a lot of people are turning to precious metals like gold and silver. Just know that buying gold and silver is different than buying any other commodity that you want to use to try to bolster uh, that nest egg. Uh, They work with one of the only regulated and licensed national wholesalers in the country, so you get direct prices from a dealer you can trust. David Lucas Financial understands that silver and gold could help you protect your assets, your IRA, 401k, hard-earned savings. But you need to call 501-222-3315 so you can learn more about how to buy silver and gold. That's 501-222-3315. Investment advisory services are offered through David Lucas Financial and Arkansas Registered Investment Advisor. 
All right, we're back with you. If you just joined us, on the line with us is uh, Congressman French Hill. And I wasn't, I wasn't BS, and I've been watching the History Channel on the World Wars and watching the whole story between Neville Chamberlain and, of course, Winston Churchill. And, it, and people need to become understanders of history because Neville Chamberlain appeased Hitler as long as he could. Yeah. I mean, look, Hitler was rolling across Poland. And he was still trying to appease him. And finally, he just couldn't do it anymore, especially when the Soviets came from the, the east and, went, and came into Poland. At that point, Chamberlain resigned and he gave up being prime minister and Churchill took over. And that's when he gave his famous speech after the, the, the Battle of Britain in the air. And he said they'd fight him on the sea, they'd fight him on the yeah. beaches, they'd fight him on the ground. They would never surrender. And, and at that point, Adolf Hitler knew he had a he had a real problem. We got to tell Putin the same thing. Well, Putin hadn't gotten that message. He didn't get it when he helped perform uh, poison gas drops, barrel bombs on innocent civilians in Syria, defending Assad's poisoning and murder of his own people. He doesn't get it. He didn't get it in 2008 when he essentially did the same sleight of hand move out of, quote, saving Russians into Georgia when President Bush was in office. And he's not learned uh, he's not paid any price for any of the work he's done under the Munich partners of Obama and now Biden. So uh, this is why he's done what he's done, because he's never been taught that lesson. He's never had a unified approach. And that's why I hope in, in, in honor of Ken Yang's question that this is when the line's drawn that the entire European continent will stand with NATO against what he's doing, or he's going to keep doing it. And when he keeps doing it, it just provokes China to do it where they want to do it. That's exactly right. I'm, I'm worried about China. I really am. But let me, let me ask one last question about Europe. And, and that is, you know, is the problem for the American people is that for so long, and I'm talking baby boomers, people my age, we fought the Soviet Union in the Cold War, and we defeated them, and we dis- and they fell apart. Now you got Russia, and we look over there and say, hey, they ain't a big danger anymore. But yes, they are. You know, they're rebuilding again. They are just as dangerous as they always have been, and we've got to understand that. Is that our problem right now? Yeah, I think we just have a whole generation that's come of age since the 1990s when the Cold War ended. We had a peace dividend, and they've grown up in a violent Islamic extremist terrorism world. And so they, this is what this, this generation's grown up observing. They, when they think of conflict, war, and mayhem, uh, they think of uh, uh, civilians being blown up in, park, in malls and in parks by terrorists. But the real threat's been growing all along while we've been uh, deviated by the war on terrorism. China and Russia have built up their militaries while they're not even remotely close to the United States and Europe in terms of force. They've done it with technology. They've done it in cyber. They've done it in new innovations. And they've been expanding their nuclear arsenal while ours is aging. So there's still a threat. They're a threat to international stability. And look, if you're a freedom-loving, young Gen X person, 
Uh, these these two countries are a threat to freedom, and that's what you ought to be concerned about. Have we have we built up our our uh, defenses of our cyberspace enough against the Russians? I mean, I'm a, I'm afraid of ransomware attacks and things of that nature. Uh, Russia's been behind those. What do you think? Are we ready? I think we're ready in some sectors. I think we're ready, uh, particularly in uh, banking and in the financial and in the uh, utility sector. But you look around the private sector in the U.S., I don't think they're ready. Uh, You know, uh, you, you can tell that. Look at the Colonial Pipeline, for example. I believe that the private sector needs to invest more in their own uh, intense cyber protection. And I certainly support the private-public partnership that the FBI and others have to seek out, you know, and destroy uh, cyber attacks on the U.S. But I think we're weak in the private sector. Is the answer to your question? Well, that's not good. That's not, because that's a war field as well. Now, all right, cyber cyber warfare. There's a real thing called cyber warfare. Well, and the enemies know where to hit us. They know they're not going to try to, I mean, they'll try to break into anything, and they've stolen, as you know, identities from all over government agencies and poked and looked for gaps in uh, back doors and trap doors in the systems throughout the federal government. But they know the real vulnerability is out there in the private sector, in our utility sector, our energy sector, our business sector, aviation, you know, that kind of thing. All right, last question for you, Congressman. Is it true that they're putting the fence back up around the Capitol? Uh, Sadly, this weekend, you know, I saw that news story. I've been in Little Rock last week and this week, blessedly, working in the district, going to all my counties. But, yes, I read they're putting the fence back up because – the president's going to deliver a State of the Union on March 1st, and uh, the the Pelosi gang that opposes fences on the southern border didn't protect the Capitol uh, in January 6th. They're putting the fence back up. Hmm. Well, terrible. What can I say? We want to get the Capitol back open. We want our <laughs> visitors back. I'm stopped every day the last two weeks. Congressman, we will bring our class to the Capitol. I said, well, I'd love to have your class come to the Capitol, too, but it's closed. Speaker Pelosi doesn't let us have visitors in the Capitol. And it's been that way, you know, for uh, over a year now. And it needs to go back. We need to get our Capitol open and let our American citizens be back visiting their members and talking about the issues of the day. Okay. You got one minute. Are you guys going to get to go back and not have to wear a mask? Uh, I don't think so. I've told you this in the, in the one minute we have remaining over on the Senate side of the Capitol where there are a bunch of old and infirm people. They have no math. They have visits. Their doctors can come see them. They have complete open debate. They don't vote by proxy over on the house side. We're mass. We have to walk through a magnetometer to walk onto the house floor. We have to wear a mask. We can't have visitors. There's no one in the gallery and all the Democrats sit around at home in their boxer shorts and vote by proxy. That's no way to run a government. <laughs> I will mention to uh, Senator Cotton and Senator Bozeman, you call them old and infirmed. Thank you very much. We have, have a good one. Have a good one. We'll talk to you later. All right, Congressman French Hill here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, as much as we got to keep our 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 eye on that European border with Ukraine and Russia, 
We better get our eye on the border to the south because things are really, really bad down there. We will talk to Congressman Westerman about that when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Ken Yang here in the studio with me. We got a half hour left. Stick around. All right, back. Dave Ellswick Show. Last uh, 25 minutes, and uh, I can't think of any better way of spending it and spending it with uh, Congressman Westerman, who I saw yesterday, yeah. and uh, was good to see him. And, and I'm going to reiterate with you, Congressman, I'm going to figure out a way to have a luncheon of some kind and bring you back and put you up front and you talk about how we can have equitable funding by giving every kid the amount of money they're supposed to have to uh, finance their education in the state and let them take it to whatever school they want to take it to. Yeah, that sounds like it would be a good uh, good forum to do, Dave. So you, you get that organized, and I'll try to be there. I'll put, well, I'll only have it if you promise me to come, okay? I'm just saying that. I've been telling, I've been yeah. telling everybody who's talking education, I said, if you want to really talk education, get serious, get Congressman Westerman back here to talk to your caucus. Yeah, I'd be glad to to do that. Of course, in my opinion, education should be more of a state and local decision, and the federal government should should stay out of it. I agree. I talk to folks about that. I'm not asking you to tell me what the federal government can do. I'm asking for you to tell us what we can do as a state. Right. That's what I want. You you had some good uh, kind of some good answers back in 2010. I remember them. I remember yeah. you. I remember having I remember having you on my show. Some of those things actually got uh, passed, and they're they're law now. But there's a lot more that that could be done. But I mean, we took a beating back then when we talked yeah. about shaking up the education establishment. Um, you know, you just have to kind of grin and bear it when you're in the minority and you propose something like that, and they bring in everybody and their brother to tell you how stupid you are. Yeah, well. They- they tried to, but you have proven yourself much smarter than those people. I mean, come on. We know that. We know that for a fact. All right. Here's a question i got to ask you. I asked uh, Congressman Hill, and then I'm going to step back and let Ken question you a little bit. And that is, are you aware they're putting the fence up around the Capitol again? No, I'm not aware of that. Yeah. Uh, for the how did I miss that? Yeah, yeah, you're going you're going to get to have to deal with the Constantine wire and all of that again. Oh my gosh, they just won't <laughs> let it go. They will not let it go. That's the only thing they have to to run on, and the the mainstream media is is right there with them. Their policy stinks. Their leadership stinks. So everything comes back to uh, January 6th, and that's the boat they're riding into the midterm. So we'll see how that works out for them. It ain't going to work out. You know it. I know it. Everybody knows it except for them. They just because, they, well, they can't run on what their their administration is doing, whether it's in the White House, in the Congress, or over in the Senate. They have failed miserably. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you had just signed, uh, I think, multiple House members, a letter, a new letter, another letter, uh, to Speaker Pelosi asking her to open the Capitol back up. Oh, yeah. And, uh, well, the bright side of that is the more dysfunctional it is between now and November, uh, the less stuff they're going to, to pass. Even though, I mean, we had some uh, 
uh, edge of your seat hearings here the past couple of weeks. One of them was called Jedi and Environmental Policy. So justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion in environmental policy. And then we had a bill markup on kelp. And I told the Democrats in the meeting, I said, I have yet to have a constituent ask me about kelp and think that it's important to our country right now. Uh, yet that's what we spend our time, of course, on a virtual markup, not in not in person. Uh, but they're, uh, you know, let them, let them keep digging a hole. But I'll go back to the day I went in the SCIF, which is a secure room, to read the uh, Steele dossier and the report when the Clinton campaign hired people to spy on the Trump campaign. And I remember walking out of there, of course I couldn't talk about it at the time, thinking if the press will not uh, cover this up, it will be way worse than Watergate. But you know what? The press covered it up. They used that the whole time Trump was in office. Hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't give them any, any slack on any of this stuff, and I'm not going to uh, play into their narrative that January 6th was the worst thing that ever happened to this country. That was bad. shouldn't have happened. Uh, but uh, that's what they're running on. That's what the whole Democrat Party is about uh, right now. But they're very two-faced, uh, and the, the mainstream media with them to cover that up on the Clinton campaign, spying on another campaign. And I think the, uh, the Obama administration was involved in it too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, the, the liberals are sore losers. Democrats are sore losers. Um, that's how I feel about it. And they ain't going to change my mind. And, uh, you know, as I always said, the Republican is always better than Democrat, but, uh, onto what you're doing. I, you know, it probably has no chance now. Hopefully it has a chance when y'all take back the majority. But uh, I saw that you introduced the IRS Priorities Act to try. There's 8 million. Well, I think you said there's 8 million unprocessed tax returns in the bill. One of the best things that the bill does is banning the IRS from hiring additional tax enforcement personnel until it processes the tax returns from the past two years. I just want to hear you. Talk talk about that uh, new uh, uh, bill that you filed. Yeah, and it's pretty pretty straightforward and simple. Uh, there's tax returns going back to, back to 2019 that the IRS hasn't processed. You know, they all tucked tail and ran when COVID came. Uh, claimed they were working from home. They never missed collecting a paycheck, and they got this massive backlog of tax returns. Uh, now, if you remember the Biden administration and the Democrats tried to push this Build Back Better bill where they wanted to hire 80,000 new uh, IRS enforcement agents, plus they wanted to be able to spy on your your bank accounts so they could collect more taxes. Well, I'm tired of having my constituents get so frustrated because uh, they've got tax returns back from 2019 uh, that these clowns haven't processed yet. And the last thing we need to do is... uh, is hire more enforcement agents uh, before they get the backlog process. Uh, I've got a, a business owner down in Pine Bluff who did his 2019 tax return. He uh, sent the check in with his tax return, paid his taxes, they cashed his check, yet they haven't um, processed his return yet. And so he's trying to get a small business administration loan, and SBA tells him we can't give you a loan because you're 
tax return hasn't been processed. Wow. So you know, it has a lot more effects other than just somebody's individual tax return not getting processed. And the, the Senate had a hearing on this last week, and they, they're using a number of like 24 million people who are affected, but they're looking at the people who have inquiries to the IRS that haven't got them uh, answered. And I'm just looking at the number of tax returns that haven't been uh, processed yet. So we're going to keep pushing on that. And I think the American people need to know uh, that, uh, you know, this, what, this is what the IRS is doing. And I bet if you start asking around, you'll know somebody who uh, didn't get their tax return processed from 19 or 20. Oh, yeah. I'm, uh, um, you know, I'm still waiting, waiting on mine. Uh, so I'm one of those people, but I did, you know, then I got a letter in the mail saying that I owed more and, uh, my accountant doesn't know why I owe more. I don't know why I owe more. And there's no one that at the IRS that will answer the phone or respond to my email to tell me where it was improperly reported and why I owe more. And so, yeah, there's some, some great taxpayer advocacy groups out there that, when you have problems like this, you can call them and they'll advocate on your behalf. Well, they can't take any more clients on because they're overloaded. And uh, it's ridiculous that they've allowed the uh, the backlog to get yeah. so big. Think about if you hadn't filed your taxes, Ken, I'm sure they would be very understanding of that. They'd be like, um, well, you know, there was a pandemic. We, we feel your pain. Uh, no, they wouldn't do that. They would charge you interest and probably – yeah. charges against you, but I bet they're not going to pay any interest on these returns that they've delayed. Of course uh, not. Plus, all the inflation that's out there is making that money less valuable every day. Well, you're keeping an eye on, you know, the left. I mean, the bottom line, they're trying to change all the rules, are they not, Bruce? And you guys just, you guys got to keep on just yelling about it. And, and, and by yelling, I don't mean that you show up in the well of the Senate, uh, sent the uh, House starting to uh, beat on a table or something. I mean, it, it's like sending the letter that you sent uh, to the president and some of the other letters you all have sent. That's that's the only recourse that you have at this time, basically, to uh, to fight against the majority that's there in the House. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, there's a, a lot of thought that we're going to win the majority in November. It's not a done deal. We've got to work extra hard on that. But all these letters that we're sending are building a paper trail, and the thing we would get in the majority is subpoena power. So the Biden administration just basically ignores the minority in the House. Uh, but we're establishing timelines how they've done things wrong, uh, the transparency, the ethics. Uh, it's abysmal uh, the way they've handled that so we'll have some very interesting oversight hearings uh, when we get into uh, the majority and i tell people you know we can't overpromise. even if, if we win the house and the senate you still got a democrat president that would re- could refuse to sign stuff but the thing we can promise is the stupid stuff will stop you won't be having hearings on kelp you won't be having hearings on uh, Jedi and environmental policy. You'll be talking about real things like energy policy. Uh, and uh, also there will be oversight. Uh, there will be a lot of light shown on this uh, administration and a lot of things brought out uh, into transparency. And 
I've told Kevin McCarthy and others, I said, if, if we want to make a difference, I said, we have got to pass the, the funding bills, send them to the Senate, and tell the Senate, whether it's Republican or Democrat Senate, um, you've got the next move. You either send these back to us after you take them up and hear them, or we'll probably send, should send a continuing resolution with it and say, it's going to be on you shutting the government down. We're not going to get to September 30th and and panic and uh, say, oh, my gosh, we've got to do a 2,000-page omnibus to keep the government open. Uh, that stuff has to stop, and it's it's been there with Republicans and Democrats, so that's a, something I really want to focus on if, if we get in the majority. All right. We'll come back. I want to talk to you about military spending. President uh, uh, Biden came uh, to you all asking for more money because inflation – is having a direct effect on our military readiness. I want to talk about that when we return with Congressman Westerman. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about uh, one of our great sponsors here on our show, uh, Pat Davis, your health plan man. He made yesterday's broadcast from the Capitol possible uh, where we uh, went over for signing day and and had a lot of people on talking about what they want to do for the the state of Arkansas. And one of the other things they were talking about is pushing back against uh, federal overreach. And uh, he made that possible yesterday. Give him a call and thank him for that. The number is 501-605-6935. Know that PAC can save you 30 to 50% on your health insurance. Doesn't matter who you get your health insurance uh, for uh, from. Uh, they they have uh, most in, uh, providers from anywhere here in the states. Uh, they have no copays, and for sure, ask them about the deductible buster. Because you know what, you get insurance, and you looked at you got a six thousand, eight thousand, ten thousand dollar deductible that you got to meet before the health insurance kicks in. Well, maybe you don't need health insurance. You know what I'm saying? All right. So you talk to Pat Davis about that. 501-605-6935. All right. We are back with Congressman Westerman. Good to have him with us. He's uh, been able to hang out here in Arkansas for the last couple of weeks. You got to go back to Washington, D.C. next week. What What are you facing? I mean, you got the state of the the union address that's coming up on Tuesday. I want to try to set maybe you and uh, uh, Congressman Hill up on uh, uh, Tuesday for about 10 minutes just to get your, or on Wednesday. Well, you're going to be on Wednesday anyway, talking about the state of union. I'm sure you'll have some some things to, to talk about as far as that. What about uh, Biden come to you all and saying, hey, we need more money because of inflation. What do you think about that? Well, it's, I'm sure that's the truth. They do need more money because of inflation. But, um, um, you know, so does everybody else. And <laughs> yeah. what we need to do is start looking at how we quell inflation, how we start producing more here in the United States and create more high-paying jobs and become less dependent on Russia and uh, and China. But, you know, I'm sure Biden's never seen a problem that he doesn't think more government funding would fix. Yeah. Now, he's talking about, of course, government funding for the military. But, you know, maybe what you guys should just ask is how about you just, you know, give us the money we asked for in the first place? 
Yeah, and um, <laughs> we had a, uh, uh, a, I thought, a good National Defense uh, Appropriations Act, but um, you know, it's and that wasn't too long ago that we brought that up and debated it. So I'm surprised that already they're determining they need uh, more more funding. But this, uh, you know, I don't see how we get through this without interest rates going up, and that's going to create the interest on the debt payments, which is going to make less money available for funding things like uh, the military. So, um, you know, he'll probably have a proposal at some point in time on how we need to raise taxes to pay for all of it. Yeah, and since we're, you know, talking about the military, um, you know, one one of the things that uh, we talked with Congressman Hill on and want to get your thoughts on, of course, is uh, the situation in Ukraine with, uh, you know, Russians now, uh, recognizing the Russian separatists, uh, you know, surrounding uh, Ukraine, uh, the sanctions that uh, Joe Biden, uh, I'd say, mentioned yesterday, and I, I don't even know what you call that—a press conference. Um, but uh, you know, what what can you know Americans expect? Um, I'm going to say when you know when uh, 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 they do uh, cross that cross that border into Ukraine. Yeah, well, I look at this situation. If you if you look at the the root problems, you got the weakness that Biden showed in Afghanistan. You've got the fact that it's the 100 year anniversary of the forming of the old Soviet Union. It's Putin's 20th year in office. He wants to reunify uh, the old Soviet bloc. You know, he was a KGB officer. He's not a nice guy. He's not a good guy. He's a thug, and we need to be doing. Uh, a couple of things. Number one is on the energy front. He derives his revenue and funding for his military through energy sales. Um, I saw some data a couple of weeks ago that said that if, uh, I think at $82 a barrel, uh, the U.S. is sending over $60 million a day to Russia on the energy that we're buying from them. Uh, Most people don't realize that, but they're the third largest supplier of energy to the U.S., they also supply a lot of minerals and elements, as does uh, China. So we need to start developing our own resources, cutting off the funding to uh, Putin's regime. I'm sure French probably talked about what we can do in the banking system to make Putin and his associates' assets harder for them uh, to get to. Uh, you know, he's a, he's very wealthy, uh, but we need to figure out how to um, put sanctions on his personal wealth and you know, I was glad to see it was a little bit late to the game, but Germany decided they didn't need the the gas from the Nord Stream two pipeline. I was there in November and told the incoming chancellor, you know, he really needs to think about that before they start uh, receiving gas in that pipeline. And uh, uh, apparently, I guess he figured out that uh, Russia really would invade Ukraine. Well, Merkel played right into Putin's hands on all that. There's no doubt about it. Uh, president trump went over there when he was first elected president and said we can supply all the natural gas that you need we can do liquefied natural gas for you and she turned down the offer yeah well she may have been uh um, smart in the sense that under the trump administration we could supply liquefied natural gas under this group um we can't meet our own demands with domestic energy it's not just shutting down the the keystone xl pipeline uh, on Biden's first day in office, he put a moratorium on energy and mineral leases on federal lands. 
that's onshore and offshore. Uh, a judge in Louisiana said, you're breaking the law, you can't do that. Uh, so they're giving it lip service now and acting like they're processing leases, but they haven't approved a single lease since Biden's been in office. So the problem's going to get worse. They're creating this lag um, because uh, there, there's not new wells being drilled. And, you know, you'll hear the Biden administration say, well, we didn't shut down any any rigs. Well, they didn't, but they're not allowing any new ones to start drilling. I was down in the Gulf in the summer, and there was a whole, looked like a dozen of those deep shore drilling rigs anchored in shallow water. Uh, so it's bad now, but as the existing wells slow down in production, it's going to get even worse. All right. I wait till next week. I want to ask you about the Federal Reserve, and some of these people want to be members of the Federal Reserve and have written that Federal Reserve and Federal Government should not loan money to businesses that produce fossil fuels. Let's talk about that next week, shall we? All right. Yeah, we, we certainly can. Okay, well, we will do that, all right? Congressman Westerman, you have a great day. Enjoy your final few days here in the, the state of Arkansas before you got to go back to the craziness of Washington, D.C. We appreciate <laughs> you, man. We really do. Thank appreciate you so much. You. Appreciate all right. you too, Dave. Thank you, Ken. Talk, Talk to you later. later now. All right. All right. Congressman Westerman here on the Dave Ellswick Show. And I appreciate you too, Mr. Yang. Thank, Thank you, you for coming in. Always. I don't want you to think that I don't appreciate <laughs> you. All right, tomorrow we'll have things to talk about in the first hour. I'm sure we'll bring you up to date on Ukraine. And Joe from Joe's Garage will join us. We'll talk cars with him unless we have an ice storm. And then everything, all bets are off. All right, have a great afternoon. I'll see you in the morning, 6 a.m. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.